Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. Today we're lucky enough to have Pastor Aaron Dowds share with us. Enjoy. I'd like to say Grace. Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad. You know that. You're telling me Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 I'd love to. Pam, come on, it's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I <laughs> said Grace and many a dinner table. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day day by day by day oh dear lord three things we pray to love thee more dearly to see thee more clearly to follow thee more nearly day by day by day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. That was interesting. Good morning, everybody. A big massive welcome to you. My name's Aaron. Aaron Dowds, if you're here for the first time, it's wonderful to have you with us. We're starting uh, today uh, a series called 40 Days of Breakthrough. 40 days of breakthrough, which is all about prayer and 40 days of prayer. And people, oh, let me find my um, gadget to get um, my uh, um, PowerPoints up. Sorry, two seconds. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, you know, people are often intimidated by prayer, thinking there's a set language that has to be said, a certain style and formula that needs to be used and that you have to sound like Shakespeare as if God only understands Shakespearean English. And uh, we're starting, as I said, 40 days of prayer. And um, this was uh, provided material that Rick Warren has made available for your small groups and your life groups as we follow um, some of that. Um, teaching with using and adapting for our church. And so there are um, videos available for your life group that go along with this and help us to establish um, a daily habit of prayer. But one thing about prayer is that most people feel inadequate about it. Most people feel that they could be better at prayer. And a lot of people are frustrated about prayer, finding it a struggle, and really not knowing what to say and uh, very often um, struggling to uh, pray for any serious length of time. Some people find it confusing, and a number of people want help to know how to pray better. Uh, I remember when I was 13, I went to a Bible week in England called Stonely, and we had an amazing time with thousands of people, and um, we received the Holy Spirit. And I came back and I had an internal desire to read the Bible and I started reading it and it was just like I'd, I had um, a, a, a light came on. 
started reading Genesis and his stories came alive and God started speaking and I thought, that's it. I'm getting serious for God. I'm going to pray every day. I got up the next morning, set my alarm early. remember lying on the floor and praying and getting to about 37 seconds and going, ah, okay, what do I pray for now? And, and being stuck and, and genuinely not knowing much more than what to say or, or, or how to pray. And, and this began my journey into discovering what do you pray about and, and how do you pray? It's quite common to wish that you could pray better and even if you've been a Christian for a very long time. Now even the Apostle Paul who wrote much of our New Testament He's one of the greatest Christians who ever lived aside from Jesus. He said this in Romans 8 verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Now Paul recognized that human beings struggle to know what to pray for. So you're in good company, okay? He recognized um, humans struggle to pray and are weak when it comes to prayer in the flesh. So if Paul said that, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, we are all in the school of prayer together. And it's okay to admit that I want to get better at this or I need to get better at this. I mean, even the 12 disciples whom Jesus handpicked, one of them said this in Luke 11 verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, here's an incredible thing. You know, the disciples were around Jesus all the time. They saw him do amazing miracles, but they never once asked, Lord, teach us to do miracles. They saw Jesus teach the best stories and lessons, and they never once asked, Lord, teach us to preach or to teach. But they did see Jesus pray, and they knew where his power and wisdom came from. They knew and understood and could see that it came through prayer. They saw Jesus who was constantly in prayer. They saw him in prayer in the mornings, in the afternoons, in the evening, in gardens, in houses, in all sorts of places. And Jesus is our model. He's our example that we should follow in our steps. And if, if Jesus, the Son of God incarnate in the flesh, needed to pray, how much more as us as human beings need to pray? And through these 40 days that we begin today, we want to learn from Jesus' example about prayer. What he prayed for and how did he pray? For he is the model son for us. Now, if Paul said he didn't know what to pray for, and if the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, it's okay if you feel a little bit inadequate about prayer. You see, we're all in the school of prayer together, and we want to learn and to grow better. And there are some misunderstandings about prayer. Number one, prayer is not a fire extinguisher, okay? It's not meant to be a spare tire that you only pull out when things explode. It's not meant to be the pin that you pull when the fire starts. Now, next to the fire alarms, you'll see this notice on the fire alarms which says, break only in emergencies. And some treat prayer like that. that but it's not meant to be broken open, only open in emergencies. 
It can be. And God in his goodness and grace responds to those types of prayer. But it's much more than that. And God has a much bigger plan than only to be available to us in emergencies. Prayer, um, there's a saying, when something gets really bad, well, all that's left to do now is to pray. And when people say that, you know it's really bad. You know, when people say all that's left, all, all that's really serious, they've tried everything else, and all that's left to do is to pray. But prayer is not meant to be our last resort. It's meant to be our first. And Corrie ten Boom, she says it nicely. She says this. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Isn't that, isn't that great? Is, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Now, the second thing is, first is prayer is not a fire extinguisher. Second, prayer is not a tug of war either. Prayer is not about saying please as many times as you can so that God eventually gets worn out and changes his mind and says, okay, okay, okay. I'll change my mind about that Ferrari that you've been asking for and I'll give it to you after all. Now, some people think that God isn't interested in them, that God's so busy with all the affairs of the world, why would God be interested in your problem? And so they maybe don't want to bother him or think that even if they do speak, like Bruce Almighty, he's got such a sore head listening to all the requests that are, fi that are firing in to his office that they don't bother to pray or to ask God. But that's a misunderstanding of who God is. And that's why it's so important that we understand who God is, what he's like, and what is his character. Because our God is a good, loving, and perfect Father. And you know what? God wants to answer your prayer. God wants to help you. He does. With your biggest problem, your greatest emergency, your smallest need, your troubled emotions, God genuinely wants to help you, but he's a perfect gentleman that doesn't impose his help onto you until you come to him and come to him and ask and come to him in faith. He wants to answer our prayers, but sometimes his ways are not our ways, and sometimes his ways can be quite difficult for to understand. And that's why with prayer, we need to have a childlike faith. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says it nicely. Trust the Lord with all your heart. The second part is even harder though. And lean not on your own understanding. So when we come to God with prayer and, and, and ask him for certain things, yeah, we have to trust him with all our hearts. But we must then not lean on understanding of how he's going to answer that prayer. Or when he's going to answer that prayer. We must trust him with all our heart. And, the, you know, what we can talk about on Sundays is, is uh, small and compared to the whole topic of prayer, which is massive. And that's why we really want to encourage you into small and your life groups um, to watch the life group videos that go alongside this and to get into discussion and start to talk and start to un unpack Jesus' teaching on prayer. If you're not in a life group, I really encourage you to be in one. And you can let me know this morning if you're not in one. And uh, we'll try and get you into an existing one, or we can start a new one. So if you're not in a life group and would like to be in one, 
please come and give me your name this morning, and we want to plug you in to a life group, okay? Now, prayer is not begging or bargaining. Lord, if you answer my prayer, you know what? If you answer my prayer, then I'm going to be your very best servant on earth. I'm going to give you everything. As if God's going to say, well, you know what? That sounds like a cracking deal you're offering right there. <laughs> I really need um, somebody just like you to accomplish my purposes. So, okay then, I tell you what, that's a good bargain. Let me give you that Ferrari after all. Prayer is not a bargaining with God. Now, over these 40 days and these six weeks, I think we've gotten talking about prayer, we want to smash some of the misconceptions about prayer that have led many to believe that prayer is a burden, prayer is a duty, prayer is, is, is um, boring and puts people under massive amounts of guilt. See, prayer is not meant to be like that. Prayer is meant to be a joy. It's meant to be a privilege and if we truly understand who it is that we're coming to, it can become that. So we're going to just cover four basics today, four very basic foundations. You may say, ah, oh, I've, I've heard those before. The reality is you believe that which you are doing. So how is your prayer life just now? Could it be better? And you know, and we go back to these basics time and time again because they are the foundation from which everything else can, uh, can grow. Number one, God loves it when I talk to him. God loves it when I talk to him. He's a perfect, loving father that longs for the company of his children. Now, a little boy, he was kneeling beside his bed with his mother and his grandmother, and he was softly saying his prayers, and he was praying, Dear God, please bless mommy and daddy and all the family, and please give me a good night's sleep. And then suddenly, he looked up and he shouted, And don't forget to give me a bike for my birthday. And his mom says, There's no need to shout like that, you know. God's not deaf. He said, I know, but grandma is. That's what I'm talking about, childlike faith, you know. Now, God loves it when I talk to him, but I don't need to shout. You see, God's love is incredible. He loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's made everything possible by sending his only son, Jesus Christ, in order that you could to die on the cross. Jesus died on the cross in order that we could be forgiven for living for ourselves in order that we could have our sin and the things that we have done wrong, in order that we could be forgiven, in order that we could come into the Father's house, in order that we could have a relationship with Father. Jesus made it all possible, and that's how great his love. God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And God sent his son Jesus for you today so that he can... Uh, turn your life around and give you brand new life. Now, someone once asked, why does God speak in a whisper? You know, conversation is two-way, isn't it? If you are uh, talking to someone and you speak more than maybe 50, 60% of the time in that conversation, you're not really having a conversation. You know, uh, we, we should be, we've got two ears and one mouth. That means we should... Listen twice as much as we speak. 
And remember that in conversations, when you find yourself um, speaking more than 50% of the time, you're not asking enough questions. You're not listening enough. And when, when it comes to prayer that God wants to speak to us, and someone says, well, why does God speak in a whisper? And I like this reply. And it was, you know, with a whisper, you have to come close to the face to hear. And that is the desire of Father. Intimacy. Closeness. You. That's what he wants. He wants you. And we have to draw close. And I thought that was a beautiful, in fact, he wrote a book called Mark Batterson. It's called Whisper. And it's one of the studies we're going to do later in this year for four weeks called Whisper. How to hear God's voice. Now, see, that's what a father wants. He wants your attention. He wants your trust. He wants your communication. He wants to hear about anything you're interested in or anything that troubles you. God wants to hear what is on your heart. You know, sometimes when you come to prayer, you're just troubled. You've had a terrible day. You're anxious. That's what God wants to hear about. God, you know what? I've had a terrible day. I've lost my temper today. I don't like how I've acted today. I've been rotten today. I'm really anxious. I'm really troubled. And I'm coming to you. That's the kind of prayers that God likes. He likes sincere prayers. He likes prayer from the heart. He loves to know how you're feeling. He loves to know uh, what you need from him. He's interested in the things that interest you. Why? Because he gave you those interests. He created you. He formed you. He shaped you. And he wants to hear about the things that you are interested in. He is so um, creative. Now, Psalm 103 verse 13 says, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear or reverence him. The Lord is like a father to his children. God loves you. Here's the thing, right? God loves you whether or not you pray to him. That's how good he is. That's how loving he is. As rain falls alike on the grateful and the ungrateful, okay? So he loves you regardless of whether your prayer life is great. You, you, you don't increase God's love for you by prayer. You don't increase his favor necessarily as, or his grace or his goodness upon you by prayer. But he loves you you praying to him because he loves you and he loves your presence and he wants your time and because of this love and his compassion he longs for you to come to him to spend time with him and to invite him into every area of your life now learning to prayer can be like learning a new language and how does how does a baby learn to speak? It's fascinating watching and observing, and I've had the privilege of doing this uh, a few times now with five children. But a baby learns by listening, by copying, and by imitation. And that's a great way to learn, actually. And, and in fact, in discipleship, that's what the discipleships, disciples did with Jesus. They watched, they observed, they listened, they copy, copied, and they imitated and with Jesus' help and, and and so again, I want to encourage us that it's, it's good to be around people who pray. And there's certain things in life that you need to observe and to watch and to listen. 
And you, not that you copy somebody else's style of prayer because we want to develop our own, we, we are our own voice, we are our own personality, and we'll develop our own conversation with God. But it's good in a life group to be around people who pray, and we can learn a vocabulary of prayer, we can learn a vocabulary of praise, we can learn a vocabulary of adoration, we can learn a vocabulary of thanksgiving. It's good to say thanks to God, and sometimes you say thanks to God, like, thanks God, and it lasts about 10 seconds. Thanks for my house, and you know, we, you, could, you could spend 10 minutes just thanking God if we're really to think about the goodness of God in our life. You could spend just 10 minutes thanking God if we were to really think about it. There is so much to give thanks to him for. So I want to encourage you, get in a life group, in your life groups, pray together. And I, I really want to encourage you as a life group leader, decide as a life group, how do you want to respond to these 40 days of prayer? Of course, we want to pray individually, but it's good together as groups. And I'd like to encourage the life group leaders to do that. Maybe 50% of your life group could be prayer. So you could have a prayer meeting uh, as, as your life group. You could learn about prayer and then do prayer. So let's not just uh, hear about prayer and study prayer. Let's actually do prayer. And as we are privileged to have the Billy Graham Association, they're encouraging us to pray about those who do, don't know Jesus. When was the last time someone who doesn't know Jesus sat at your table and had a meal with you? I'm challenged by that. Have you done it in the last three months? No? Well, now's the time. Start praying, okay, God, I want to have some sinners at my table. <laughs> I'm the greatest, you know, Paul said, I'm the greatest sinner. I want to have some people that are different from me, different from my background, different from, and I want to invite them into my table. I want to love them. Then I'm going to start praying for them. I want to start praying that God would show me creative ways to bless, show me creative ways to love, and then creative ways to share my story into their needs, creative ways to pray for their needs, to hear their needs, and then to let them know we're praying, even if they're atheists. Because God loves atheists, amen? God loves atheists. Atheists may not love God yet, but God loves them, okay? So God, um, uh, you know, when you, when you learn a new language, it's, sometimes it's like a gurgle. It just makes noises and you can't understand it. And usually at that point when one of my children explains they want something to me and I haven't got a clue what they are saying, I usually look to my oldest daughter, Clara, or my wife, Lindsay, and say, what, what, what do they want? And they're like, oh, they want their blue cup. Oh, oh, they want their blue spoon. Oh, they want their milk. And they're like, got this incredible ability to interpret like a... Rrr. I'm like, what is that? I have no idea. No, I'm like, what does that mean? Oh, they want their cozy milk. I'm like, how do you interpret that? You see, Father has got this incredible relationship with his children that even if you can't articulate your need very well or you can't speak in a vocabulary that's like Shakespeare English, he has this ability to know what you want even before you say it. That's a wonderful thing. So it doesn't really matter how fancy your language is. Just even though you come to God and just the, sometimes the simplest prayers are the most powerful. God wants to hear what's on your heart, not just what you think he wants to hear. Okay, that's important. He does want to hear what's on your heart. He wants to know how you're feeling. He wants to know when you're feeling rubbish. He wants to know when you're failing. He wants to hear it all. And he wants to come in to your mess and start sorting it out. So... Here's another video clip, and uh, oh, yeah, here's a little video clip about this, and then we're going to move on. Thank you. 
to the next one, please, Robert. down in the middle of a highway and live to talk about it, son. But why? Why now? Bruce, you have the divine spark. You have the gift for bringing joy and laughter to the world. I know. I created you. Quit bragging. <laughs> See, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's the spark. Okay, so you don't need a, a bunch of beats to pray, okay, but God wants to hear what is on your heart, not just what you think he wants to hear. 
And um, 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15 says, This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Twice it says he hears us. Now, sometimes it doesn't feel like he hears us, and that's why we must have childlike faith and not base it on our emotions. Regardless of what it feels like and what the circumstances say, our faith needs to kick in that he hears us. And this should give us a confidence in approaching him. We need to have the confidence that when we come to God that he hears us. Why? Because he's good. He's a loving father. And we're promised that he hears us when we ask according to his will. And then you can have the confidence. And when you have confidence, there's no need for shame. Because we're not coming on our own merit. Jesus Christ died on the cross. If we believe in him, that we can have confidence to come to the Father, not because we're good enough. We're not good enough on our own. Jesus has made us good enough through faith, and that's why we can have the confidence. That's why you can have the confidence that he will bless you because of his grace and his goodness, because of what Jesus Christ has made us by faith in him. So the first one is God loves it when I talk to him. The second one is God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. And here's, here's an example. So far today, God, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed and from then on, I'm probably going to need your help a lot. So thank you in Jesus' name, amen. And so the good thing about prayer is that you don't need to use fancy language, but you can just be yourself. God understands the Scottish dialect, by the way. That's all right. So it's okay to use the Scottish dialect. We don't have to pretend you're English, okay? Prayer can be simple, but it needs to be sincere and from the heart. It should be authentic, real, and from the heart. Now, sometimes the simplest prayers are the most powerful. And in John chapter 2, verse 3, we have an example of a beautiful, simple, and yet very powerful prayer. It's not very often seen as a prayer, but this is what Mary, the mother of Jesus, said to Jesus. Here was her, here was her there was um, a wedding. The, the wine completely ran out, and here was her prayer. Are you ready for it? You ready for how complicated this was? She said... To Jesus, um, they have no wine. That was it. They have no wine. That's an example of communicating to Jesus and a request to Jesus. What was the result? Here's the result, okay? So we had the simple request, and here was the result. Six stone jars holding 100 liters each were filled with the very best quality wine. Now, that's about 800 bottles of wine. <laughs> 800 bottles of wine from they have no wine. And so keeping your prayer simple is a good way also to ensure that you don't give up on prayer. Keeping your prayer simple, 
you don't necessarily need to pray for 20 minutes on every single problem, on every single issue, repeating your request over and over again as if somehow you're going to earn um, some sort of favor, twist God's arm, or have a tug of war and actually win the tug of war. <laughs> God's not against you. He's for you, okay? Your job's not to suggest the answer or the solutions to God. And that's when prayer can become difficult when you start to suggest, Mary goes to Jesus, they've ran out of wine. Now here's my a good idea, Jesus. Maybe you could send 50 people to the local market and maybe they could buy the best wine. You see, God's ways are not our ways. He's got it all in control. And very often he answers in ways that we couldn't even comprehend or imagine. So not Let's not limit God to how he's going to answer our prayer. Let's just simply present the request and leave it in the hands of the master. Matthew 6, verses 5 to 8. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. Who um, love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will get. But when you pray... Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Okay, so there's good advice for 40 days. I want to encourage us to do that. Get in your room, shut the door, and pray to your father in private. I want to encourage you to do that for the next 40 days, for every single day for 40 days. I'm not going to tell you how long it should be for. That's up to you. It could be five minutes. It could be 10. It could be whatever. But to form a habit 40 days every single day, let's get into the habit of daily prayer and having um, that discipline in our life. Um, verse 6, it says, then your father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. You see, longer is not necessarily stronger. Verse 8, don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So don't babble on and on and repeat your words again and again. Just keep it simple, um, sincere and simple because God knows what we need even before we ask him. We're told not to use prayer to show off. We don't need to keep repeating words and fill our prayers so that they are longer, okay? We can keep them short. And that way, it's easy to pray and to return to prayer. Hebrews 10, 22. So let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith. And sincere means without pretending. There's no point in pretending to God that you're all right because he knows you're not. <laughs> so when you come to God, just let him know how terrible you're doing, how anxious you are, how troubled you are. And you know what sometimes God says to you when you hear his voice? Say, God, I've had such a bad day. I've been terrible. I don't like the way I've acted or behaved. You know what sometimes God said to me? Son, you weren't that bad. Stop being so hard on yourself. Sometimes he says, ah, yeah, okay, let's get certain things sorted. But sometimes, you know, when we open, and that is so reassuring when you hear God. And allow God to speak to you. And when you're open and vulnerable with God, and allow him to do the work in you, okay? Don't pretend. Um, okay, thirdly, God likes to show his grace by answering prayer. Come back to that. God is good. 
He's generous, he's gracious and compassionate, and he loves to give good gifts to his children. That's so important that we understand that. God loves to give good gifts, okay? And grace is his undeserved kindness. But over 20 times in the New Testament, over 20 times, we're commanded to ask for what we need. Don't just automatically assume God is going to give you what you need. He's, he's commanded us to ask for what we need, okay? Um, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. You do not have because you do not ask. If you ask for anything in my name, over 20 times God instructs us to ask for what we need, okay? Now, let me, the question is, does God answer every single one of your prayers? Well, here's another question to propose. Do you answer every one of your children's requests? They've just brushed their teeth at night and they come to you and say, Dad, can I have some Coke? Dad, can I have a lolly? Dad, can I have some sweeties? What does the dad say? Well, it depends if mum's in or not. <laughs> of course you can, no bother. Let's get the film. No, no, I'm only joking. Of course we say no. Why? Because we understand much better than a child about tooth decay, about enamel, and about extractions, and about fillings, and about dentists, and drills. We know that. So our no is an act of love for the goodness of the child, okay? I have to confess, I, I sometimes use this tactic. Can I have a, I want some coke, Dad. You just brush your teeth. But, ah, but I want some coke. I go, do you want black teeth? No, 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 I don't want black teeth. Well then, no, you can't get some coke, all right? Remember that picture of black teeth we saw in that dentist book? Would you like teeth like that? No, ma, you're not getting coke. That's the reason. Well, I can't explain how that process works, but just trust me. I know what's good for you, okay? Now, I'm not recommending that tactic, but um, on occasion, I do pull that one out. Probably, psychologically, need healing from that in the future, but us. But does it mean that I don't love my child because I say no? Well, of course not. But love does answer in three different ways, does it? Yes, no, or not yet. And all are answers of love. And it's not easy to understand why sometimes the answer to our prayers is no. Like many of you know, Caleb, our first son, who would be 15 this year in April, lived for 59 minutes. And we asked repeatedly for healing and for him to live. And the answer was no. And he went to heaven after 59 minutes. Well, that was no in the sense that he didn't live on this earth. In one sense, he had perfect healing. Because death has lost its sing. Death has lost its victory. So we didn't get that answer. And some of you have prayed for partners who have had cancer and have died. And, you know, you prayed for certain things. And the answer is no. And really, why is that? You can't really fathom that. You can't really understand that. I, if you can, please come and help me to explain that. But what I've come back to learn and to understand is that I need to trust God like a child. I need to have childlike faith and trust the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. I can't understand it, but you know what? I'm not going to lean on that, but I'm not going to question and doubt the goodness of God. I know he's good, even though there's pain and disappointment and suffering and death and, and all of that on this life. I know that he is good and he remains in control. Proverbs 3, 5, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. Rick Warren says it this way. Sometimes God says no for our protection 
sometimes for our direction, sometimes no for our correction to correct our course. Sometimes God says no for our perfection. That's to help us grow in character. Like when you pray, God, get me out of this fire. And that fire in your life is refining and shaping you for that. And God, in due course, in due time, when Hannah prayed for a child in 1 Samuel, we are told that in due time, God heard her plea. God heard her plea, and in due time, she had a son. Hannah had the child in due time. And we have to trust. That's 1 Samuel 1, 19 and 20. I'm going to close on this verse. If we could have the band back up, please. Hosea 6, verse 6 says this. Hosea 6, verse 6 says, I want to show love. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. That's what God's wanting. He's wanting your love. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. God's desire is you. His desire is for your love. And so for these 40 days, we're going to come back to prayer. We're going to ask God to stir us afresh in prayer. We're going to ask God to help us to enjoy prayer. And we're going to learn. What you will learn on Sundays will be a small percentage of of the whole topic of prayer, and that's why we're doing more in the life groups and more in discussion. There's probably many questions or things that you have about prayer, but uh, life groups are, are a great way to do that. But I want to encourage you, start today. Start today. Get in your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Be sincere, be simple, tell Him what's on your heart. Let's start to pray for our needs, and let's start to um, uh, seek him first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's put him first and yeah, band, if you could just start playing and allow him to give us the desires of our heart. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? I'm going to pray. Maybe you've come here today and maybe it is a break glass situation for you. Maybe it is an emergency. Maybe you've hit rock bottom. Maybe your tire has come off. Maybe you're your, your vehicle was going quite smoothly and then there's been a burst tire and you've come here today searching for God and I want to say to you God loves you and he wants to help you with that situation that you're in it may seem impossible but for God nothing is impossible to fix your problem now he may not fix it in the way you imagine he may not fix it the way that you want him to fix it but if we trust him like a child he can give you the strength and the grace to get through that trial and that challenge and that difficulty he can give you a hope for the future and God can turn impossible situations around we've seen it time and time again in this church where people have come with impossible situations and just turn to God and trust God and in due time God hears us and he answers our prayer so I want to offer you today the opportunity to receive Jesus into your life the opportunity to come into father's house the opportunity to live a new life and become a child of God and it starts with this God so loved the world that's you 
He loved you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He took the punishment and the guilt and the shame for all that we've done wrong in order that we could be reconciled or brought back into relationship with Father in order that times of refreshing can come into your life. And God wants to do that today. And if that's you, everybody together, we're going to say this prayer together to invite Jesus to give us new life.